Did you have any urban legends, neighborhood or localized things that you can remember? I grew up in Millard, so pre- things are pretty sheltered out there. <laughs> the whole town is scary. It's, <laughs> it's is, so scary. It's a haunted town. Yeah, like don't walk down that street. Back with the legendary Brooke Barcel. You hosted Shtick or Treat. Yes. I guess I'd like to hear your perspective on why is it a better show maybe when we're in a mask or we're in a costume or we're hiding our mm -hmm. identity. It's something special that these comedians, a lot of them are working really hard. They're going to open mics night after night and they're trying to do their tight five and trying to do their jokes and they get in their heads almost. Yeah. And so it's like when they come in in a character, like we had Edgar Allan Ho. Oh. <laughs> just doing something completely different got him out of their head and they tapped into a whole new thing. Another comedian did, she's a girl, and the character she did was a guy at his first open mic. <laughs> and it was good. very real. I'd like <laughs> very, to have seen very, that. Very funny, and she thinks she's gonna figure out a way to bring it back. And she could do podcast. Her yeah. next, that's just one uh-huh. step on the uh, desperation <laughs> chain. Yes, of, that's of what past. they do. Yeah. After their first open mic, they want to start their podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've heard from some of them. <laughs> They're like, I've mastered one form. Like, mm-hmm. now I can just have two. You don't even know if you like it yet. <laughs> yeah. How early on did you do the costume show or like... sticker tree? I've been doing. This was my fourth year. Oh wow. Yeah, and then it's pretty close to my birthday so I try to think of it as my birthday show but I always happy birthday by the way thank you thank you I change costumes in between every comedian yeah so we had nine comedians this year you like Lady Gaga nine costume changes Um, the cheerleading one I wore myself out with the high kicks (laughs) Um. <laughs> yeah, you gotta save some energy to close. I mean, don't. Exactly. Did you have any changeover that was harder than you thought, or that you were worried you weren't gonna get back to stage in time? Yeah, that was half the magic. You have to pre-plan <laughs> it, and I had like leggings, and then another outfit over my leggings, and yeah. then I had another part where I had to put on two leggings because the next costume change was gonna be really fast, and I have to, yeah, prep. Like two years ago, one of the comedians. I told him five to seven minutes, so I have at least five minutes to change. And he did three minutes, and I wasn't all the way ready, and I came running out half in costume. But that's the fun (laughs) of live comedy. Is it more freeing when you've got that, like an actor has their character? And as stand-ups, we are often figuratively naked on stage. Lucky audience. (laughs) There are naked shows, which I was talking to someone Mm. else here. I don't think we'll ever be done here, but that's a whole other podcast. Completely naked? Yeah, both improv and stand-up. Up and, that's a, and, that's a lot yeah. to take in. UCB used to do one that was like, to even get asked on it was quite something. And uh, I think some pretty well-known people had done it. But yeah, imagine an improv show. We're talking about things that are scary now. Here we go. <laughs> exactly. Now we're easing wow. into the fright. Yeah. Yeah, then they start seeing where you're sweating. and. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's a whole thing. And then there was one in L.A. that's once a month that's completely naked well, on stage. in LA. LA. Everybody's hot in LA. That, that one is not, it doesn't have as much character as <laughs> but I the would Midwest. say. Yeah. yeah, that would be interesting here. A lot of corn daddies. Is there one particular costume that you felt like was really connecting to you getting laughs? Was there just one you were really killing in and why? 
I had a Rainbow Bright costume with a super bright wig with lots of colors. And even during the set, I'm like, I need to bring this wig back somehow, not just keep it for Halloween. And I had a <laughs> weird Barbie wig, and I also feel like that about the wig, the weird Barbie wig, but then also about the Elvis wig. Ah. I feel like you put on a wig, like you're a whole different person. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I used to work with a comedian named Dan Whitney, who had a couple of different costume ideas and one in particular from the first moment he went on stage with it was game-changing that now I've noticed he is going by his character name, which is Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's he, how things will evolve. He's, they start somewhere. If you've ever seen his, and, and some are on YouTube, he did an evening at the Improv or something as Dan Whitney. He was doing all right. But he just had a couple different costumes like the other two didn't work and Cable Guy from the first show. And I think he has said... Mm -hmm. He doesn't even really understand why. There's sure. just something to that. That little character that people yeah. connect to. I feel like some comedians are characters already. Yeah. Just on their own. Some are cartoon characters without yeah. that are and they're like that in real life. Just Nobody life. like that. Correct. And then other people really good writers. And then I think maybe if you add that character to it, could explain that. Yep. That's cool. It's a catalyst if you can connect the visual element, get people to even have a response to it with your stage persona and then your writing, if all three of that comes together. Yeah, you have to take risks. If you don't take big, bold, crazy risks, you'll never get the great one. What's the biggest risk you've taken comedically? Ah, comedically. I don't know. Just the stick or treat, the costume change between For each sure. one. That's yeah, pretty I risky. Feel like that... I, I couldn't live like that. I've hosted a lot of shows. I love hosting too. Boy, I'd be sweating. It was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you maybe could say that because the first couple times I did it was like five comedians. I didn't realize yeah. how much nine would be. Yeah. And then having to remember different characters. And luckily I have a lot of different jokes that go with some of those already but switching really fast and then having faith in myself that it would be funny, that the audience would enjoy it, that it would keep the show going. Yeah. And then you have to trust that while you're in the back room changing really quick, like everything's okay. What costume did the audience like the most of yours this year? They had a tie between the witch and the rainbow bright. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. rainbow bright. And then over the four years, what's been the craziest one you've done? Brock. Brock Barcel. Brock is Brooke yeah, right. <laughs> with a mustache, but I pretend it's my brother and I talk about how hot my sister is. It's really weird. <laughs> that's good. Have you ever seen someone you go, boy, that's like a Brock Barcel? You see someone else have a character that you think really has legs. Do you tell them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You encourage them. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's one of my big things. But yeah, I love seeing new comedians get a really funny joke, get a good response from the audience kind of start to find their own voice and then you can tell when that starts to happen and if I can I put them on a show just yeah give them five minutes to show it off because they're ready yeah the cable guy realized from the first time he did it it just connected and worked but even that took years of finding the right way to present that in a stage act what if you like develop it and it takes off and then you regret it after five years and you're like, I don't want to be this character. That's what I find interesting about him now is when he was, of course, very subdued off stage, not like the character and to refer to him as Larry would have seemed insane. Um, and now yet when I see him, I'm like, he seems to 
be Larry now. I don't know that Dan's around as much. So he like grew into it and got that more confident self through doing it. I think it's just it. totally different. I mean that he was, you know, into golf and <laughs> not <laughs> the type of character the character is that I knew years ago, but you start mm. making millions from it and There we go. What would the kids think if they saw you do comedy? I think they would laugh. Yeah. I've done some clean comedy shows for They have a good time. They laugh. It's fun to see the kids laugh. And when they, they get a joke and they're laughing at it, it's satisfying. Is that what fear is? It's that we don't know what's coming next. 100%. Comedy is an unexpected result. We're The setup is we think we're on the path to what we normally would expect. The punchline is a deviation from that. Fear, being scared is... I don't know it's the unknown yeah it's like the same i mean comedy and fear hand in hand how many times are people laughing to quell discomfort Mm -hmm. they're witnessing someone come up they like them from the looks of it or they support them maybe they know them but they're also just trying to kill the awkwardness with a vocal monkey cue yeah right yeah yeah that reminds you asked earlier what was the scariest thing about or comedy or the biggest risk that you take and it's every time you go up, every time you try a brand new joke, and then the first time that you go up, your very first open mic. Yeah. And then even after that, like doing it again, it's a risk after that. Are they gonna like me? Are they gonna listen? First off, I would even say in many respects, forget like attention. Mm. (laughs) I'd rather be boot heckled than ignored i'm sure that's the same as the monsters on halloween yeah they want us to scream and if we're not screaming and we're, we're like ah do they go home and hate themselves like we do after open mic i would love to have talked to someone at scare the chainsaw massacre guy <laughs> i could have had a better night tonight they must have their own gauge and sure they take it very seriously if they're not getting an old lady to grab for her chest right. and look for her walker or something they're probably pretty upset it's just just human nature sure yeah because you want people to like you you want people to respond to you yeah if they're not laughing then they're not happy with me right <laughs> if they're not, exactly if they're not screaming then they didn't appreciate my scary face and hecklers a lot of them think they're helping they do they're trying yeah. to catalyst mm. give they're like i'm gonna this person isn't up to par or whatever i'm going to now assist them i'm a recovering heckler really it runs in my family i'm surprised by that alcoholism also runs in my family which okay. i think goes hand in hand with heckling yes and then codependency which is heckling because i'm trying to help really yeah mm-hmm. but yeah i always thought well, i'll just help them but as you do comedy and open mics, you learn that's not helping at all. <laughs> so you had got done that at comedy shows? When bef- I was first starting. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, you don't hear that often or someone admit to it. I know. So did you come to that realization that, oh, they don't like this on your own? Or was someone... I think for a long time about? I thought I was helping. Yeah. And then one comedian, I can't remember if he did it on stage or off of stage, but either way, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say a word. Yeah. It's not kind. And I should laugh when it's funny. Right. But then I don't need to say anything else. Unless it's my turn. It's like when someone's got the chainsaw and then the mummy guy isn't getting the reaction that he wants. You've still got to go as hard with the chainsaw <laughs> right. as you can. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love how we tied 
monsters to comedians. We they're, did. They're so similar. <laughs> it is. No, that's actually really good. And and I don't recall hearing that point made though. No, and I'm scanning so original. Back. I know. God. This is going to go down as one of the best Halloween podcasts well, of all time. I mean, I think now we're going to start seeing people tomorrow going 364 days till the mm. next one. That's the I point like of my life now. If we could solve one crime... <laughs> Like, just one crime real quick that will seal this in. Do you know of any crimes? We could commit one, and then we could. I don't know. That's You were a heckler. I was a criminal. So it's oh, just expressing ourselves in different means. Sure, you know? and then we know where to put the bodies. Yeah, exactly. Hummel Park. Mm-hmm. Hummel Park is just obviously... I'm trying to think of, say, you got a call from Blumhouse or one of the Universal, one of the big horror shops in Hollywood, and they said, we want a horror comedy, Omaha. <laughs> Hummel Park can't do, we can't license that. What are our scenes? What Where are our settings? Yes. Oh my God, the Oakview Mall. <laughs> <laughs> Bring us to the Oakview Mall. It is just That's um, good. An, a post-apocalyptic movie already. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing? I find that there's that rush market out there is trying to act like everything is cool. And I'm like, come on, guys. Okay. This is... That's a weird thing. Yes, it is strange. And the whole... I find that they put the little mini holiday displays within there is funny, too. I don't think they do a ton for Halloween. It's just the cobwebs and the spiders mm-hmm. and the empty retail yep, bays. Yeah, it's already there. Already yeah, the- nature's overtaking it. They put it back up for sale. Did I you see I that? I saw that. Yeah, maybe you should buy that for the podcast that would studio. Be, that would be a cool thing and just make it a museum of me. <laughs> They're like, there's a, this long, boring story about Mike Myers has a whole JCPenney thing. <laughs> Did you go to the T.J. Miller room? T.J. <laughs> <laughs> Miller lives there. He's just in the mall. And then Cable Guy's got a rack of clothes. He does, he probably has that. He probably does have a bunch of merch. He does got like mm-hmm. pork rinds. I've seen IV, which is <laughs> again does. hysterical, but a line of clothes for men from Larry the Cable Guy. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Parts of the riverfront before the wonderful park was put in there were, you know, I always thought it was hilarious. We call ourselves the River City. There's River City, and you couldn't get to the river or go to the river. There was nothing to do by the river except dump a corpse or buy crack. Yes. And that was it. Yes, I feel like you can still do those. I've heard, yes. Yeah, yeah the river, there's, there's a trail that goes all the way through the middle of Omaha, and there's a part kind of past 72nd where there's a park, and there, there used to be a dome that you could go inside of it. I think they filled it with cement because people would pee in it all the oh. time. Oh, but there's I used some to of call those... that the Midtown Pea Spot. That <laughs> the was where Midtown I guess. Pea Spot. Yeah, those are fun and weird, scary, haunted spots. Any final thoughts, Brooke? I thought this was a great first special. I think Walnut Grove Park might be the oh, one last haunted yeah. spot. But last words, Halloween is scary. Yes. Life is scary. It is. But it can also be a lot of fun if you put on a mask. <laughs> there you go. That should be on billboards. That should be... There it is. Yep. I, I don't think it can be said better than that. Brooke Barcel, <laughs> our first Halloween spooktacular. Thank you very much. 